I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I've developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. Today we're reading Numbers chapters 31 and 32. This is the New King James Version of the podcast. The King James Version is also available. Now you remember the episode of Balaam with the Midianites and the Moabites in the 22nd through the 25th chapters of the um, book of Numbers here. Well, that all gets an explanation and comes to an end here in Numbers chapter 31, where we read about those evil women and what's to be their end. Numbers chapter 31, beginning now with verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take vengeance on the Midianites for the children of Israel. Afterward ye shall be gathered to your people. So Moses spoke to the people, saying, Arm some of yourselves for war, and let them go against the Midianites to take vengeance for the Lord on Midian. A thousand from each tribe of all the tribes of Israel you shall send to the war. So there were recruited from the divisions of Israel one thousand from each tribe, twelve thousand armed for war. Then Moses sent them to the war, one thousand from each tribe. He sent them to the war with Phinehas, the son of Eleazar the priest, with the holy articles and the signal trumpets in his hand. And they warred against the Midianites, just as the Lord commanded Moses, and they killed all the males. They killed the kings of Midian with the rest of those who were killed, Evi, Rechem, Zur, Hur, and Reba, the five kings of Midian. Balaam, the son of Beor, they also killed with the sword. And the children of Israel took the women of Midian captive with their little ones and took as spoil all their cattle, all their flocks, and all their goods. They also burned with fire all the cities where they dwelt and all their forts. And they took all the spoil and all the booty of man and beast. Then they brought the captives, the booty, and the spoil to Moses, to Eleazar the priest, and to the congregation of the children of Israel, to the camp in the plains of Moab by the Jordan, across from Jericho. And Moses, Eleazar the priest, and all the leaders of the congregation went to meet them outside the camp. But Moses was angry with the officers of the army, with the captains over thousands and captains over hundreds who had come from the battle. And Moses said to them, Have you kept all the women alive? Look, these women caused the children of Israel through the counsel of Balaam to trespass against the Lord in the incident of Peor. And there was a plague among the congregation of the Lord. Now therefore kill every male among the little ones and kill every woman who has known a man intimately. But keep alive for yourselves all the young girls who have not known a man intimately. Well, Numbers chapter 31 verse 2 is interesting regarding God's word to Moses. He says, Take vengeance on the Midianites for the children of Israel. Afterward you shall be gathered to your people. Here's Moses' last big assignment before he is to be, as it says, gathered to your people. While not specifically detailed, there's no question that the Hebrews clearly understood the principle of the afterlife in the presence of their ancestors and the Lord. Moses knew back in Numbers chapter 20, verse 12, that he would not be accompanying Israel over into Canaan when the time came. But Moses, he's not done yet. 
God has commissioned him to plan this battle against the Midianites who had planned the destruction of Israel earlier in Numbers chapter 22 through chapter 25. To lend some perspective here, let's first take a look at verse 16. It says, Look, these women caused the children of Israel through the counsel of Balaam to trespass against the Lord in the incident of Peor, and there was a plague among the congregation of the Lord. Now, the New King James Version inserts the word these women in that verse because the Hebrew pronoun there is translated, that's translated these is feminine plural. Remember back in Numbers chapter 22, verses 4 through 7, that the Midianites and the Moabites, both tribes, conspired to contract the Midianite prophet Balaam to curse Israel. Well, that plan failed. But Balaam subsequently devised a plan that they corrupt the morals of Israel instead. The Midianite episode in Numbers chapter 25 was orchestrated by Balaam. We see that in this chapter. With all the adversity Israel had overcome, they were almost corrupted by the heathen Midianites and the Moabites. And what was the weapon of their warfare against Israel back in Numbers chapter 25? Well, it was a troop of women a troop of women who had been designated to entice Israel sexually for the purpose of introducing them to heathen gods, thus causing Israel to forsake the one true God. As a matter of fact, one of the women caused by, she was identified in Numbers chapter 25, 15 as being the daughter of one of the Midianite leaders. Ah, make no mistake about it. The Midianites, along with the Moabites, had conspired as an entire nation to use their women to corrupt Israel's allegiance to the Lord Jehovah. Balaam's evil plan was quite effective. But it fell short due to the heroic deed of Phinehas. Remember in Numbers chapter 25, verses 6 through 8, when he put a stop to the whole thing? Now understand this. The Midianites and the Moabites, including the women, they were bent on Israel's destruction. Now, maybe the resulting events of chapter 31 seem extreme to you. Well, what about the events of 1945 in Hiroshima and Nagasaki? Innocent people died there as well at the hands of the United States of America. Was there another solution that would have brought to a close World War II? Well, then it seemed that there was not. And in retrospect, today it seems that there was not. I mean, war is war. When God commissioned the events of Numbers chapter 31... It's simply because there was no other way. And who knows better than God? Oh, and appropriately, Balaam was also executed in this battle. Now, let's add some perspective to the selection of those Midianites who were sentenced to death at the end of this battle. The women had been commissioned as an army of prostitutes to corrupt Israel. How sinister. These women, therefore, were not innocent victims of war, as many times was the case in other battles. Secondly, the remaining people of the Midianites were integrated into the tribes of the Hebrews. That being the case, non-Hebrew male children, well, they would have injected a non-Jewish line of Midianites into the tribes of Israel. Moreover, these males, they would have harbored an intense resentment against the Hebrews as they entered adulthood. Since no males survived this battle, the virgin women became the possessions of the Hebrew men. As such, the resulting children would have been of Hebrew lineage, since lineage was dependent upon the father's ancestry and not the mother's. And incidentally, the leaders of the Midianites were executed. We see that in verse 8, one being Zur, the father of Kozbai, 
That was the gal who had been slain by Phinehas in Numbers chapter 25, verse 15. Now, since they're coming off of a war in the next section of Scripture, verses 19 through 24, we we'll talk about the uncleanness of war, verse 19. And as for you, remain outside the camp seven days. Whoever has killed any person and whoever has touched any slain, purify yourselves and your captives on the third day and on the seventh day. Purify every garment, everything made of leather, everything woven of goat's hair, and everything made of wood. Then Eleazar the priest said to the men of war who had gone to the battle, This is the ordinance of the law which the Lord commanded Moses. Only the gold, the silver, the bronze, the iron, the tin, and the lead, everything that can endure fire, you shall put through the fire, and it shall be clean, and it shall be purified with the water of purification. But all that cannot endure fire you shall put through water, and you shall wash your clothes on the seventh day and be clean, and afterward you may come into the camp. The soldiers required purification because of their contact with the dead. This seven-day purification ritual for the soldiers and for the plunder taken in war, that had to be performed outside the camp in order to prevent contamination of the rest of the people. That was in accordance with the instructions that had been given in Numbers chapter 19. Then in Numbers chapter 31, verses 25 through 54, it's time to divide up the spoil, verse 25. Now the Lord said to Moses, saying, Count up the plunder that was taken of man and beast, you and Eleazar the priest and the chief fathers of the congregation, and divide the plunder into two parts, between those who took part in the war, who went out to battle, and all the congregation, and levy a tribute for the Lord on the men of war who went out to battle, one of every five hundred of the persons, the cattle, the donkeys, and the sheep. Take it from their half and give it to Eleazar the priest as a heave offering to the Lord." And from the children of Israel's half, you shall take one of every fifty drawn from the persons, the cattle, the donkeys, and the sheep from all the livestock, and give them to the Levites who keep charge of the tabernacle of the Lord. So Moses and Eleazar the priest did as the Lord commanded Moses. The booty remaining from the plunder which the men of war had taken was 675,000 sheep, 72,000 cattle, 61,000 donkeys, and 32,000 persons in all, of women who had not known a man intimately. And the half, the portion of those who had gone out to war, was in number 337,500 sheep. And the Lord's tribute of the sheep was 675. The cattle were 36,000, of which the Lord's tribute was 72. The donkeys were 30,500, of which the Lord's tribute was 61. The persons were 16,000, of which the Lord's tribute was 32 persons. So Moses gave the tribute, which was the Lord's heave offering, to Eleazar the priest, as the Lord commanded Moses. And from the children of Israel's half, which Moses separated from the men who fought, now the half of belonging to the congregation was 337,500 sheep, 36,000 cattle, 30,500 donkeys, and 16,000 persons. And from the children of Israel's half, Moses took one of every fifty, drawn from man and beast, and gave them to the Levites, who kept charge of the tabernacle of the Lord, as the Lord commanded Moses. Then the officers, who were over thousands of the army, the captains of thousands and captains of hundreds, came near to Moses, and they said to Moses, Your servants have taken account of the men of war who are under our command, and not a man of us is missing. Therefore we have brought an offering for the Lord, 
what every man found of ornaments of gold, armlets and bracelets and signet rings and earrings and necklaces to make atonement for ourselves before the Lord. So Moses and Eleazar the priest received the gold from them, all the fashioned ornaments. And all the gold of the offering that they offered to the Lord from the captains of thousands and captains of hundreds was 16,750 shekels. The men of war had taken spoil, every man for himself. And Moses and Eleazar the priest received the gold from the captains of thousands and of hundreds and brought it into the tabernacle of meeting as a memorial for the children of Israel before the Lord. Well, when the smoke had all cleared, this was a massive haul of people, possessions, and livestock. The spoils of war here are divided among all of Israel, some for the soldiers, some for the Levites, and some for the people, and some for the Lord. The exact division of the spoil in these verses is most interesting. Look at all the livestock. And here's another remarkable aspect of this campaign that one might overlook. It's in verse 49, and that's this. Not one Israeli soldier was lost in the battle. Now, I've provided a chart to show you the breakdown of the distribution of the spoils, and you might want to take a look at that to get a real good view of how it was all divided out. Based upon these numbers, the priest made out very well after the distribution of spoils. The soldiers didn't fare badly either. The remaining Levites and the Hebrew families who did not participate in the war effort, well, they had to learn to share. Now, Reuben and Gad in Numbers chapter 32, they come up with their own idea. They decide a bird in the hand is better than two in the bush. So in verse number one, we begin reading. Now, the children of Reuben and the children of Gad had a very great multitude of livestock. And when they saw the land of Jazer and the land of Gilead, that indeed the region was a place for livestock, the children of Gad and the children of Reuben came and spoke to Moses, to Eleazar the priest, and to the leaders of the congregation, saying, Adaroth, Dibon, Jazer, Nimrah, Heshbon, Elielah, Shebam, Nebo, and Beon, the country which the Lord defeated before the congregation of Israel, is a land for livestock, and your servants have livestock. Therefore, they said, If we have found favor in your sight, let this land be given to your servants as a possession. Do not take us over the Jordan. And Moses said to the children of Gad and to the children of Reuben, Shall your brethren go to war while you sit here? Now why will you discourage the heart of the children of Israel from going over into the land which the Lord has given them? Thus your fathers did when I sent them away from Kadesh Barnea to see the land. For when they went up to the valley of Eskel and saw the land, they discouraged the heart of the children of Israel, so that they did not go into the land which the Lord had given them. So the Lord's anger was aroused on that day, and he swore an oath, saying, Surely none of the men who came up from Egypt from twenty years old and above shall see the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, because they have not wholly followed me. Except Caleb the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, and Joshua the son of Nun, for they have wholly followed the Lord. So the Lord's anger was aroused against Israel, and he made them wander in the wilderness forty years, until all the generation that had done evil in the sight of the Lord was gone. And look, you have risen in your father's place, a brood of sinful men, to increase still more the fierce anger of the Lord against Israel. For if you turn away from following him, he will once again leave them in the wilderness, and you will destroy all these people. All right, here we see the proposition set forth by Reuben and Gad, the tribes. And in the next section of Scripture, we're going to see that Moses actually negotiates a deal with Reuben and Gad. 
verse 16. Then they came near to him and said, We will build sheepfolds here for our livestock and cities for our little ones. But we ourselves will be armed, ready to go before the children of Israel until we have brought them to their place, and our little ones will dwell in the fortified cities because of the inhabitants of the land. We will not return to our homes until every one of the children of Israel has received his inheritance. For we will not inherit with them on the other side of the Jordan and beyond, because our inheritance has fallen to us on this eastern side of the Jordan. Then Moses said to them, If you do this thing, if you arm yourselves before the Lord for the war, and all your armed men cross over the Jordan before the Lord until he has driven out his enemies from before him, and the land is subdued before the Lord, then afterward you may return and be blameless before the Lord and before Israel." and this land shall be your possession before the Lord. But if you do not do so, then take note. You have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. Build cities for your little ones and folds for your sheep, and do what has proceeded out of your mouth. And the children of Gad and the children of Reuben spoke to Moses, saying, Your servants will do as my Lord commands. Our little ones, our wives, our flocks, and all our livestock will be there in the cities of Gilead. But your servants will cross over, every man armed for war, before the Lord to battle, just as my Lord says. Now, that being the case, they've negotiated a deal, and Moses has accepted the deal. Now, let's review the specifications of the deal with the tribes of Reuben and Gad. That'd be half of the tribe of Manasseh who also joins them. Verse 28. So Moses gave command concerning them to Eleazar the priest, to Joshua the son of Nun, and to the chief fathers of the tribes of the children of Israel. And Moses said to them, If the children of Gad and the children of Reuben cross over the Jordan with you, every man armed for battle before the Lord, and the land is subdued before you, then you shall give them the land of Gilead as a possession. But if they do not cross over armed with you, they shall have possessions among you in the land of Canaan. Then the children of Gad and the children of Reuben answered, saying, As the Lord has said to your servants, so we will do. We will cross over armed before the Lord into the land of Canaan, but the possession of our inheritance shall remain with us on this side of the Jordan. So Moses gave to the children of Gad, to the children of Reuben, and to half the tribe of Manasseh, the son of Joseph, the kingdom of Sihon, king of the Amorites, and the kingdom of Og, king of Bashan, the land with its cities within the borders, the cities of the surrounding country. And the children of Gad built Dibon and Adaroth and Aror, Atroth and Shophan and Jazer and Jokbaha, Beth Nimrah and Beth Haran, fortified cities and folds for sheep. And the children of Reuben built Heshbon and Elilah and Kerjathaim, Nebo and Baal-Meon, their names being changed, and Shibmah, and they gave other names to the cities which they built. And the children of Maker, the son of Manasseh, went to Gilead and took it, and dispossessed the Amorites who were in it. So Moses gave Gilead to Maker, the son of Manasseh, and he dwelt in it. Also Jer, the son of Manasseh, went and took its small towns and called them Havoth-Jer. Then Nobah went and took Kinoth and its villages, and he called it Nobah after his own name. All right, here we go. As Israel's encamped on the east side of the Jordan, poised to go over Jordan and take some real estate, 
The leaders of these two tribes, being Reuben and Gad, they ask Moses, we like this land. Why can't we just stay here? When well, verses 6 through 15, Moses accuses them of acting like the fathers who refused to go over into Canaan back in Numbers chapter 14 after those 12 spies returned. We see the substance of Moses' concern in verse 15 when he says this, For if you turn away from following him, he will once again leave them in the wilderness, and you will destroy all these people. Well, Moses is concerned that the disobedience of these tribes may bring judgment from God on the whole nation of Israel. However, at the conclusion of his angry accusations, they assure Moses that they'll be willing to fight side by side with Israel as they go into Canaan. As a matter of fact, in verse 17, they volunteer for the front lines of Israel's military efforts into Canaan. Moses finally consents to their request, but with certain stipulations that these tribes dare not ignore. They must agree to go over Jordan with the rest of the fighting men of Israel to take Canaan. They readily agree to wholeheartedly support the war effort. After Moses does significant warning of the consequences of not providing this armed assistance, he finally agrees to let them settle on the east side of the Jordan in the land they'd already conquered. Now, there's a phrase in this passage that's been repeated over and over down through the ages as a warning to others. You've probably said it yourself without knowing where it originated. Now, you may want to stop here and go look for it, but if not, there it is in verse 23, and it says, Be sure your sin will find you out. How many times have you heard that? Well, as it turns out, Reuben, Gad, and half of Manasseh do remain on the east side of the Jordan River. This is the area occupied by Syria and Jordan today. Incidentally, these east of the Jordan tribes keep their promise all the way down to the time that they're released from the service by Joshua in Joshua chapter 22, verses 1 through 9. It had taken at that point something more than seven years to conquer Canaan. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletribe.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Fayette Bible Church, Paul Walton.